Welcome to a special episode of Broadway Radio. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. In lieu of news today and on the back of our new show from Monday discussing the current nationwide protests, please enjoy this interview with my friend and colleague, backstage senior staff writer Casey Mink. This was conducted last week on May 28th, and we talk about her recent reporting for Vanity Fair about the hows and whens of Broadway returning, what changes need to be made before and after that happens, including but not limited to diversifying Broadway stages and creative teams. I am delighted to be joined today by colleague and friend, backstage senior staff writer and leading Katrina Lenk and Tony Shalhoub expert, Casey (laughs) Mink. Thank you so much for joining me today, Casey. That is the only time I've ever been accurately introduced. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad. It is accurate. Like there is there is no no no, lie to be found there. It's very accurate. (laughs) Well, I want to cover a good amount of ground with you as far as what the industry is seeing right now and not seeing right now. The best place to start is on the topic of reopening. Uh, Matt and I talked a little bit in the week about it, but you recently wrote an article for Vanity Fair entitled, quote, not until there's a fucking vaccine, Broadway struggles with how it can reopen. That talks about that. So first off, I would love if you could kind of go into your reporting for that. Obviously, you don't have to name the names of your sources since they are all anonymous in the article, but who you talked to, what you found out, and the kind of expectations that insiders are having right now. Sure, sure. I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to do that piece and why I was asked to do that piece is because there is still so little on the record realism about about Broadway's reopening. I mean, there are still these sort of, and I'm going to call them delusions, there are still these Mm -hmm. delusions that we are going to have shows in the fall and at this point I mean look we we, there's still so much that we don't know and also I totally understand being you know cautious and having some trepidation about jumping ahead that said we all know there are no shows in the fall right probably not right in the early 2021 either and it's just starting to become a little bit I think that there is some negligence happening as far as absolutely um, industry leaders are concerned and again I mean no one knows anything like that is just a fact no one knows really anything but we need to be a little bit more realistic about this because as soon as we start being more realistic then we can start actually planning so let's start optimistically shooting for best case scenario spring 2021 because that is the best case scenario but then in doing this reporting it's interesting because I spoke with several people and you know I I won't name them but Mm -hmm. producers and publicists and also just some sort of as I said in the piece I call them an industry veteran but someone who's worked in a lot of different uh, facets of the industry and at the end of the day it's about money okay but so the realistic way to do it is we're going to we have to socially distance we have to have capacity but then you have these conflicting viewpoints that they will no we certainly from a financial standpoint we cannot ever reopen broadway at half capacity but then you say so can we have any broadway before we have a vaccine and they're saying well yeah sure we can those two truths cannot exist 
at <laughs> Right. They yes. simply can't. So we really need to grapple with, with those facts. We are either going to be reopening at a diminished capacity or we're reopening when there's a vaccine. So yeah, basically my point in doing that story was to get people on the record, and I knew they wouldn't go on the record saying their names, which is why they're anonymous, to get people on the record being realistic and saying, yeah, we're in a terrible, terrible spot. And denying that actually is just doing so much more damage than just facing the vaccine. Yeah, the predictions for reopening, as you said, have been all over the board, and we've seen multiple dates put in place and then change for the current suspension currently at September 6th. We've all we've right. kind of surmised that's part and partial to, I guess, trying to keep some optimism in the equation that Broadway will be back right. sooner rather than later. But as you said, it's right. negligent. And what struck me about your piece, though, and I mean this in a very good way because it's very revealing – that there's like no optimism there. The producers and veterans you're talking to are saying, no, that's not going to happen. You're out of your mind if you think there's going to be Music Man in September. We're not going to be out of the woods until there are real measures in place. Right, right. And the thing is, something that was really crystallized for me in doing this reporting, I will say, is that the September 6th uh, date at this point, most people, even the sort of uh, loftier dreamers among them, are aware that mm. that's not a reopening date. But sure. what that does do is that just means that theaters don't have to refund tickets. They have to refund all tickets yes. up until yes. September 6th. And that is in part also for financial you know, reasons, which is that hopefully maybe they can kind of roll out the process of losing all of their advance. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, it softens the blow a little bit. But I also think something that we really need to wrap our heads around and I get that it's tough because we especially like in the states not even just in the theater we are very much operating among these sort of rigid uh just rigidity rigidity and we really need to let go of these arbitrary markers of of 2021 we're early you know start of the new year we're gonna we're gonna open sure. up the shows or yeah. just in time for the, the latter half of the season or we're gonna do it for a truncated season like if this virus has taught us anything it's that all of that is so meaningless at this point like exactly. we can't be yes. shooting for january because it's clean because it's convenient right. Right. and it would make it would make the reopening just it's fit nice. into our little sort of box yeah, it's nice and round. And as you said, full stop, no one knows. There's obviously conversations going on behind the scenes about the potential wins. And hopefully there are multiple contingency plans in place. But we've heard everything from, as you said, January, which I think both uh, Kate Schindel and Charlotte St. Martin said. But also we have the start of spring. We have the vague whenever there's a vaccine. Like, no one knows. And the thing is, and the thing is, what I really would like to see is everyone just stop sort of hypothesizing about so true. dates or season and really start basing this upon just like we have for reopening cities and states let's have markers health-wise about right like, let's use that as when we can reopen you know if our cases are to this point and we have this sort of track and we have these systems in place then we can think about reopening not i think january will you know be <laughs> good <laughs> yeah just good we we, right. we want we want more than good that's i, I, and by I think the a, way yeah i mean i understand you know january is a nice fresh start for us to think about in you know the most literal sense 
But who in the world would ever want to reopen Broadway in January? I mean, the pre-existing, the pre-existing sort of things are still true. Like January is considered the dead, deadly month for Broadway. It always has been. Like that's when shows close. That's when you last, the last month that you want to open your show is January. And I understand that everything is different now, but like, also, it kind of isn't in that it's going to be the dead of winter in New York City, and any right. tourism that we may have had will not be there at that point. Right, it'll no, be done. Not, if, if they were, were going to do yeah. anything in the winter, it, you know, if they were worried about tourism, it would be start of December before the holidays. But as you exactly, said, as you said, that's not a thing as far as theater goes like i think a lot of people are looking at it optimistically as you said like this is going to be a fresh start or the new season and everything and they're kind of forgetting just the way that theater operates in that as you said january is terrible to open what? just as usually like, summer is terrible to open theater you have like exactly. march and april and that's about it exactly and like it's so this is where i'm like getting pretty frustrated these days mm. because in the ways that it's convenient to forget about all pretense of how Broadway operates. They are. But then when it comes to rethinking essentially our business models, that's where a lot of the gatekeepers are really sort of uh, sticking with, sticking with what, what was true before the shutdown. And at the end of the day, my, my main takeaway at this point, just not even from having done the reporting for that piece, but just, I mean, I, I'm in this industry and I'm talking to, you know, people constantly. Mm-hmm, it, yeah. it can't exist as it as it always has. It right. simply will not work. And also, as we know, I mean, this virus is, you know, most dangerous for the elderly. The elderly makes up a ton of oh, yeah. the Broadway, yeah. Broadway patronage, obviously. So how are we going to rethink that aspect? How are we going to think about finally for real, not just posturing about getting younger audiences who may not be coming exactly. to the theater on their own. How are we going to think about those getting those people into the theater? Because at this point, our business actually depends on it, whereas in the past, maybe it hasn't. Right. That's been kind of the biggest thing I've talked about over the last few months is both on Broadway, but also in touring productions. Like, what is it going to take to get people back in seats, especially in places like New York, which is obviously a hot spot, but also places on the road that have higher case concentrations? Obviously, we want to, we want to all be back in our seats drinking marked up cocktails. But if you have an audience right. that regardless of affluence is predominantly older, and let's face it, even with younger people coming through the doors, that is still who Broadway especially caters to. That seems like it's right. going to be an uphill battle. Right. I mean, I don't see a world in which the elderly are coming to the theater until there is a vaccine. And that, sure. that I think is kind of like non-negotiable. Right. Right. Which, so yeah, let's radically rethink everything. I mean, it's so long overdue. And the fact that it took a viral pandemic around the world to make this happen, fine. But we actually have an opportunity here to do all the things that we've said we wanted to do for, you know, however long. We actually can do it now because we have to. Mm. So yeah, I mean, let's let's rethink everything, (laughs) basically. No big deal. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just it's a, it's a short to-do list for sure. I do yeah, want to talk about that great. later on for, uh, and expand upon it. But in both the reporting for this, and I know you wrote another piece right after the shutdown started, and of course you've done a ton of work as staff writer for Backstage, what have you heard as the key concerns from actors and creatives? And what, for that matter, what are your key concerns for coming back, especially if we come back too early? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not, it's not anything, you know, very profound, but mm. the, I mean, backstage at a theater, it's not possible to socially distance. It's simply right. not. Right. And also, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this either, but the theaters are filthy. <laughs> like, they, I mean, Miss <laughs> uh, Patty Lapone they... even said, the, she, did you yeah, see the exactly. piece that they did for the LA Times where they were talking to like 25 theater professionals? Yeah, yeah. And she, she yeah, was the so. one where everyone was talking about their big dreams and she was like, please clean backstage. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think that that gets at something which is really, really important is theater has always prided itself on being the scrappy means of entertainment and the show will always sure. go on. If you have a broken, a bone jutting out of your leg, like you're going to tape it up like Adrian Warren and go out there and still be Tina Turner. Yeah, Like yeah. we've, that's always been the sort of attitude. And if you're sick, you're still going to show up. I really think that this, that this whole situation for the better will change that a little bit. I mean, it's there's people are going to rethink pushing themselves to go to the theater when they're sick, both on stage and in the audience. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. I think that that is a good thing. And also maybe, I mean, this might be just my, my like really, really uh, heady sort of thinking, but maybe there will be a different attitude around seeing an understudy go on because oh, definitely. Say, well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that they're home and not, and not, you know, here at the theater, if they shouldn't be. Um, another interesting sort of, concern that I have is and Kate Schindel was asked about this recently and I think it's it's a sort of really specific thing that no one would be thinking about until it happens but there's going to be a lot of well I'm wondering if there's going to be preference to hire actors who have the COVID antibodies and what sort of like maybe unfair casting means are going to be a byproduct of that i don't know it's going to be a that's whole interesting yeah world so obviously at backstage we're all about the actors so that's just something that's come up i don't know there are just so many concerns and first and foremost the actors have to the actors have to be safe but also you know all of the stage managers all of the musicians in the pit all of the ushers and then all of the audience it's just you when you break it down you understand exactly why this is such a dire situation yeah and as you said that there have been both we're going to do we're not going to do this until there's a vaccine and then also we could try and do it socially distanced but that's when you have to start thinking i mean that's specifically talking about the audience like are you going to cut down your orchestrations and have a smaller pit are you going to there was a piece today about choreography for mrs doubtfire and how they're kind of like rethinking that to not have clusters of dancers is is that what has to happen for every single show and And i it's just like is the integrity of the piece going to change like i don't know right yeah 
Yeah. I mean, maybe not Mrs. Doubtfire necessarily, but <laughs> like for, for a player, like I'm thinking about, you know, the inheritance was, was running when this close or when the, when the shutdown happened. And there's a crazy scene in that play where like a character is eating peanut butter and like rubbing mm-hmm. it all over themselves yeah. and like getting it on other people. And it's like, that will not happen on a stage again for years, whether or not right. the vaccine. we're right. not doing anything like that. No, God, no. The other bit, right. you, mentioned, you mentioned The Inheritance and just generally the other shows that were running. The big question and a set of the other big question and a set of big questions is what happens to the shows. Like We've already lost uh, Virginia Woolf. We've lost Hangman. We've lost Frozen. And we've had a few get bumped back a year. And essentially, I've seen it boil down to two options. Either one, most things are going to be able to come back, but slowly, or two, only the legacy tourist grabbing shows are going to come back and then they're going to have to flush out the rest. I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle, as it always is, but that's going to be another thing that relies on money and time, as always. And the interesting thing is, I found in my reporting to actually sort of diametrically opposed uh, viewpoints on this very subject which is one one person told me that the plan is to bring back you know the legacy shows first because mm. i guess the thinking is that they have you know the deepest well of of reserve funding and they'll have an easier time coming back sure. however someone else told me that those shows may actually have a much harder time coming back because of the fact that so much of their revenue is tourist driven and ultimately our our tourism is going I mean has already and will continue to be really really diminished Mm. then there's also you know the someone else told me that actually a lot more New Yorkers go see those shows than I would have suspected and Mm. you know maybe New Yorkers will be wanting some sort of comfort food in the form of of Wicked or Phantom or maybe they really are going to want to just see the new shows and producers need to be thinking about how to lure specifically New Yorkers, maybe even, you know, the more jaded among them, those kind of theater goers back to the theater. So I think, again, it's like, who the hell is to say? And we really can only begin to answer the question mm-hmm. when we start when we start doing it. I want to talk a bit about award season. We are now a week away from when the Tonys were supposed to be, and that's oh. obviously not happening. I know, I know, just mourning it. You know, have you the, heard? Uh, the the very strange thing about this is I, I, and I'm sure you as well, and every other theater journalist on earth spends three months before and during award season bitching about award season. And now I'm just like, God, I miss award season. (laughs) I think we all jinxed (laughs) No, we definitely did. We definitely did. And also something that I have not told, like, literally anyone out loud. I'm just going to tell you, I did the stupidest fucking thing. And I bought a dress in February. (gasps) No. Oh, my God. I saw it and I was like, and it was was marked down or something. And I was like, (sighs) you know what? It's, I know it's four months away, but I'm going to buy this dress right now. And if I find something better or something, I will return it. But I love this damn dress. I'm just and I'm in buy shock. Okay, this is the thing. Mocking me. Just <laughs> tormenting me. Just wearing so, you know around what? the apartment. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Um, no, I'm very, very sad. The Tonys are are really important. But anyways, yeah, ask your question. <laughs> I would, yeah, the, and that's the thing. I was looking at suits, but did not thankfully end up buying one. I was planning on going like because I typically go on a vacation right after award season is done. So oh. I was like hovering over Airbnbs and everything else. Obviously, yeah. that's not happening. I will uh, sit in a car yeah. or something. I guess is my vacation. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, obviously, bad. yeah. Obviously, not happening now that we are having those pairs of streams on the night of with Broadway on demand and Broadway. I'm I'm personally perplexed by the handling of it. Matt and I have talked about it many times. Just not really being sure if the league was, again, trying to hold off as long as possible and extreme optimism or what. And as you wrote, it's been left in, quote, open-ended limbo. What is, uh, one, what have you been hearing? And two, what is your take on where we all lie with this now, including what they're doing in its place with the Grease sing-along instead? Yeah, it's all, I mean, look, none of it is um, ideal. Let's say that. Sure. Again, yeah. when, the, when, when the wing announced at the end of March that it was, that they, it was postponing the Tonys and no in, other information was, you know, available or going to be announced at this time, mm-hmm. I totally, I totally get it. We did not have nearly enough information at the time to say what was going to happen. Right. There was definitely a March. world in which maybe there would be a Tonys at the end of August or, you know, even the fall or something. Sure. I mean, now, we're talking about we're talking about the start of this was March. And I we're not that's not even that's still a month exactly. off of when even the eligibility period was going to close. So, yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. And they just they didn't know. They didn't know if they were going to cancel them or postpone them or what. However, at this point, it does feel, and I mean, one of my sources said it's actively damaging. I think it's just really, unfortunately, a little bit disrespectful to the shows that did open. And if, and yeah. also, if, for what it's worth, if you're just not going to do the Tonys, just say you're not going to do the Tonys. Right, like, right. There is really, there are many, many things that, that can be done. None of them are ideal. But... The fact that there, we are one week away from the Tonys, as you said, and there's just been no no follow up whatsoever. Radio silence, and honestly. Yeah. Radio radio silence, other than but we're doing a grease sing along. It's like, <laughs> and I know that wasn't the wing that made that announcement, right, but it's yeah, just like, yeah. I think, look, most or what half the shows of the season didn't get to open because right, spring yeah. was it, we. I mean, we shut down like right when everything was about to open. At least mm-hmm. half the shows didn't get to open. Yeah. It sucks. It truly sucks. And it just proves more than ever that awards are truly bullshit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, you know, the Tonys mean a lot in our industry. And it, at yep. this point, it would just be a, sh- a sign of respect to the shows that did open. And so, I mean, we've all talked about what the options are either, you know, just cancel the Tonys and don't have them this year do like a supersized Tony's whenever we do have another Tony's, right. which I don't even know how that would possibly happen next Not at this point, but okay. Not a clue. Do a 20, yeah. Combine the two seasons, this past season, and then this quote unquote current season that we're in right now, LOL. Um, and then the other <laughs> thing is just to do, you know, a, a Zoom, a freaking Zoom Tony, which is what, you know, the Obie Awards are doing and the drama sure, are yeah. doing. Does that, you know, suffice? No, not really. It sucks. 
obviously. It sucks. But that's what we have right now. Adrian Warren worked her freaking butt off and she deserves her Tony. And, <laughs> and of course, every single winner this year will have an asterisk next to next to their Tony win. That yeah. you know, everyone knows so it was tough. the incomplete season. But as one of my sources also said, like that's the story. And that means sure. something too, you know? Definitely. Yeah, as you said, yeah. and as you also said in the piece, everyone wants some kind of sense of closure that the season is over. Here are the shows, let's yeah. reward them and celebrate theater. But I mean, what happens with theater being really inaccessible is that the people who needed to see the shows and vote on the shows didn't get to see the shows if they were already open, like West Side Story and Girl from the North Country. Right. Or, as you right. said, they were about to open in the case of Six and Company and, like, a dozen others. So do the Tony skip a year? Are they aired in the winter? Do we count eligibility up to January and have a truncated season and then have that affect right. future seasons? There's just no good right. option. And also, as you pointed out, if we do, like, a two-season broadcast, Moulin Rouge, which opened last July will be two years old at that point and will even still be on stage. Like, there are so many factors. Right, right. And you know what? There really is no good option. But at the end of the day, considering just the stakes of what we're actually dealing with as, as you know, an industry and as a, frankly, like, nation, <laughs> as far as this yeah. pandemic goes, this should not really be as much of a sort of burden as it has become at this sure. point. Like, yeah. just, put, just put the button on it. Figure out how to do it for this season, how to recognize the shows. Yes, it sucks. It really sucks. Pull the people, The you know, I know that a lot of people didn't get to see the shows, but as in years past, whoever did get to see them can vote. Like, yeah, it's that not going to be comprehensive. It's not going to be conclusive. But also all of these, all of these awards, you know, they are, they are not like impartial. They are all just opinion. And at mm. the end of the day, it could just be a really nice way to celebrate the season that was and also wasn't and just move on and look to the future because mm -hmm. it really does stuff for the people who did have their show open and who now have no idea, you know, when, how, and if they'll ever be nominated for a Tony. Sure. I think that's a lot of what people really have been wanting, too, is just a celebration kind of event, which, again, it's good that we're having those right. two streams, but to not really have right. anything like this is officially the wing is right. and like, disconcerting. At the, right. And, you know, you think about the Sondheim celebration that Broadway.com did. Oh, I think everyone about it all the time. Ate, don't worry. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I know I didn't have to tell you that. <laughs> but, like, everyone ate that shit up because we are so yeah. desperate to commune as a as a community. Wow, great sentence, Casey. But like we all are really <laughs> we're writers, it's fine. <laughs> so we're yeah, exactly. I get paid to do this. But we are all so dying to come together and celebrate as a community. Do a freaking Zoom live stream. Tell the winners ahead of time. They'll get sure. to come on and make a speech. Again what the Maybe Obies even, are doing. Yeah. Exactly. The Obies are a perfect model for it. And like let us live tweet it for three hours and forget this miserable, miserable thing that's happening around us. And then move on like it's not it shouldn't be this hard and it's it is getting it's it's frustrating to me at this point oh yeah 
Definitely. Agree with you there. I want to wrap up by talking about what we've already kind of talked about a bit, and that's the, you know, the future of theater and the quote-unquote new normal, a phrase I hate, but there you go. Uh, I, I, know know. We, I know we both have a thousand ideas at all times about how to make theater better, starting with, for a dollar, name a woman. The people... <laughs> or a non-white person or a non-white person all of it anyone but straight white male (laughs) all male companies that would be great the the people I've read and have talked to over the past few months have all essentially said the same thing and that's that we should be using this time to reflect on what theater needs and figure out the changes that need to be made in the industry both the performers and creatives but also for the audience and again I know you've talked a little bit about it but I'd love to hear from you on that both your thoughts what you've been hearing or talking to creatives over the last few months what does theater especially broadway need when we come back well i think first and foremost i mean the most sort of applicable period that we can you know liken to this is post sort of depression era mm-hmm. and post war eras and you know the the solution there has been big flashy musicals that are that are not super deep that you know make you forget and bombastic whatever been been thinking about that a lot yeah 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 I certainly certainly do not think that that is the the answer here in fact I've actually never been more confident that that is not the answer here (laughs) you know we've we've had some announcements of shows that will be that do plan to open in the spring of 2021 I guess at this point you know some like it hot that's all well and good. And also, you know, mm. I'm not going to lie and say that that's never been my preference because it hasn't. Sure, but that sure. said, when you are wanting to get people back to the theater, it needs to be things that are urgent, that are urgent, definitely, that require definitely. being right now. Because frankly, a, a big splashy musical that has nothing to say, why would you, I mean, this is a little bit dramatic, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why would you risk your life going to the theater to see that if it's truly yeah if you if you can also you know you can watch some like it hot on on your screen like it already exists yeah like what i really think and someone i did talk to a producer of um a couple sort of forward thinking shows in the past said no this is when we need to be putting the form in its most daring sense back to use like, Definitely. I mean, obviously, I can't go yeah. on a, a pod and not mention what the Constitution means to me. But like, right, really it was my first like it was my first thought. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank God. But you know, we got to <laughs> Katrina. Like, now I also have to mention what the Constitution means to me. And then I can leave. But like, we, that we, is we've, we've get, checked off the bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's only three things on it. It's Katrina Lang, Tony Shalhoub, and what the Constitution <laughs> means to me. But like, if we can get, because that's what, that is what is going to draw the seasoned theater goers back to the theater. We need to not be trying to appeal to this sort of thing that we don't even know exists yet. This, you know, person who wants escapist, that's, you know, the word escapism. Mm -hmm. That is not what people are going to be going to the theater for because unfortunately, especially at the start when people are just dipping their toes back into going to the theater, there will be no forgetting of what's happening. We are all going to be wearing masks, oh, yeah. and we are all oh, going to be absolutely. we are Hopefully. all going to be nervous. And every time we hear a cough in the theater, it's going to mean so much more than it ever did. And so there's true. no such thing as escapism at this point. I need to see something that that talks about not necessarily this moment, but sure. this 
this much broader moment and has any sense of of urgency or pertinence or like why am I telling this story right now? I will tell you. And I'm personally why why I am I telling it. the story right now? And why is this the medium that I'm using to tell the story? Exactly. Well, okay, exactly because at the end of the day, well, I keep saying that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> at the end of at the end of this conversation, like we are going to be asking ourselves and maybe not you and I, cause we'll just go to the theater basically until the day we die. But like yeah. normal people are going to be asking themselves, why am I going to the theater for this? It's going to be so risky. Like, I don't think that some like it hot is the way to do that. Sure. I agree. I, I mean, that's even directly, I, I was grappling with directly before the shutdown of, I think I had like six shows on my calendar that week. And the last thing I saw yeah. was Dana, was Dana H. And I had to ask myself, like, what mm. am I doing? And of course, the theaters closed the next day. So I didn't have to really think too yeah. much about it. But it becomes, I mean, thank God. Dana H was the last show I saw because it was worth it and it was yeah. one of those sh- yeah. per- pertinent necessary shows. But I mean, Absolutely. there are, there are shows I would not risk my life for, even being exactly. who I am. Exactly, exactly. The last show I saw was six, and that like was I know, a affirming, <laughs> affirming thing of my life. <laughs> but about it. no, I know. I will. I will literally flex that all throughout quarantine. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, oh my god, stop saying that Casey. I, I this should be a drinking game yeah listeners uh <laughs> turn this into a drinking game <laughs> and I, that's like a new one that's literally a new one i've never i've never fallen back on that and i do interviews all the time my god anyways at the end of the uh year mm, at the end yeah, of the circus sure. whatever like we really are there is going to be some risk involved and i will be you know weighing you know the what's worth it and I don't know that there is a show that I will actually go see that I don't want to. Like in the past, I've done that a lot because yeah. I, well, oh, I have yeah. to for my job. Yeah. But yeah. also, you know, there are times when I'm not covering a show and I'll still go because I want to have the entire perspective of the category or I want to see that yeah. person's, you know, new thing or, or this, that, and the other. But like, I've seen enough probably... shows that I knew I was going to hate just because exactly. I needed to check it off. Absolutely. And exactly. that's just not going to happen in the future. Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all unfolds. I think that there are going to be a lot of, of choices that will ultimately prove to be incorrect, <laughs> but I am not a producer no, no. Oh, and it's yeah. not my money. So best of luck to everyone. And I mean that. I really, truly do mean that. I hope that yeah. those flashy shows will find their audience and maybe they will draw, you know, the New Jersey or whatever crowd back to Bridge Broadway. and Tunnel. I yeah. truly hope that that is the case, but I'm just speaking as, you know, a, someone who's obviously really enmeshed in the industry. That for me is not mm-hmm. going to be what gets me back. Yeah. And co-signed for that casey it is always a pleasure thank you so much for joining me i hope me. I, I made some sense yeah at the end of the day at the end uh, of the day I just at hope the end I of the day 
I, I very much look forward to when we can sit and watch Katrina and Patty sing their asses off at the Jacobs uh, again. I did. Uh, thank God. Thank God I yeah. went to the first yep. preview. I wasn't going to go. Same. I was going to wait for a press performance. Thank I was God neither. I went to that yep. first preview. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, sleeping in that if I hadn't gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would, this would be a this would be a much harder quarantine, but thankfully I have I have that in my brain, literally at all times. Truly, same. But I mean, yeah, as you said, until then. Thanks for listening to Broadway Radio. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at No This Is Ashley. I have also included the links to Casey's social media channels and backstage author page in our show notes. If you're feeling inclined to do so, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio to back us if you haven't already. And most importantly, if you are able, support your community by donating to your local bailout funds. Have a safe Tuesday, everybody, and we will be back to talk with you on Wednesday.